Welcome, Chesty Storby, uh, for an interview here on the Nordic Animism channel. It was super nice that you had the time to uh, to come by. <laughs> and Chesty uh, Storby is uh, she's a Scandinavian folk singer and a storyteller. And but perhaps you can start by just sharing a little bit what what exactly it is that you do. Yeah. Well. At the moment, and I think that the, one of the reasons that you are calling me and we are speaking here today is that I have been looking at um, um, at Eddic poems and started to perform them. Um, and so I wanted to be like this Viking rapper who could do all, all stories. I could improvise between the different meters and what they sounded like. And I could go in between singing and storytelling and oh, tell for six hours or just for a little snippet. And uh, so that was the vision. Yeah. I had, and then I, when a I Viking, you want to be a Viking rapper. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. It's funny. I think I've had more or less exactly the same idea at some point, ah. <laughs> but, but I didn't get as far in the There's direction as you did. But. <laughs> yeah, that probably yeah. Because <laughs> so so I started to look at what those meters would be then. What are the meters like? So how how can I? What can I do? And then that was a bit like tricky to get my head around without starting to learn poems in Old Norse where the meters was was not translated, and you could like really get the feeling of it. And then that just continued. So I started to learn longer and longer sequences and then uh, and and then uh, where, once I really got the meters of this I started to learn the whole of Vorluspor which is uh, one of those 
um, heavy, lovely poems in the poetic Edda. And then it was good, so I just needed to to start performing them just a little bit and then a little bit and then, yeah. Can you explain uh, when you say meter, uh, what exactly is a meter and uh, and how do you like, and what, for instance, is a meter of the, the pre-Christian Nordic poetry? So a meter is, is the form of of a poem and that often a lot of meters that we know of today like the sonnets they also have rhymes in them ending and and they count the amount of syllables that goes on um, and then there are some unrhymed uh, meters in other types of poems uh, which also counts the syllables and the rhythm is 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 like the homeric epic uh, uh, the It's used the hexameter, which has got dan da ka 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 dan 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 da ka dan. So it's got this rhythm, and then the old uh, Norse meters, they use alliteration instead of end rhyme. They are rhyming in the beginning of the words, and also okay. they don't like Eminem. Doesn't he do that? Pardon. Doesn't Eminem do that, or is that some other rappers? Mm. There's there are actually rappers who use. Alliteration. Oh yes, uh, it's all everywhere. It's one of the nicest way of playing with words. It's like to start to start uh, start rhyme. In in Swedish, it's not it's not called alliteration. It has got nothing to do with with letters with that word lit literature. Or so it it says it says um, stavrim staff rhyme. So the staff, the heavy part of the word, that's what's rhyming in the beginning of it. You know what I actually think about that term because we have the same also in in Danish, the stav, the stav, that that would be a rune. So if you if you're actually spelling it out with rune runes, then the stav would be the first letter of Eve, e, each work apparently in this logic. Not that the other runes would also be called staffs, of course, but but it it it, it always I always liked the the fact of thinking of staffs because the word staff is actually a word for runes. It's great. Good. And um, so um, uh, with risking of being a little bit nerdy here, the, uh, I, it was like this. When I, once I started learning them by heart, these poems, then uh, it was like this world opening up which was not which was not there when i read translations um because the structure since the the structure of these poems and furnudislag is the one meter that this poem volus boys made out of and that's used a lot a lot a lot it's a very popular and much loved meter it has got like four heavy words in it And that can be as many syllab syllables in them. It doesn't count syllables. And it can even be small words in between. And But the three first of these uh, heavy words, important words, they are building this alliteration, this sta staff rhyme. <laughs> And the fourth one is breaking it. Uh, 
So, so, and and you can variate these two firsts. Um, a perfect uh, rhyme does not need to build all, over all the three, but it's always here. So you can have the breakage where it doesn't rhyme, and that kind uh, that tension is the structure of the poem. Uh, and it's very fun can to you play around with that. So you have yeah. like or var alva far er ymir byggði var sandarni sérni svalar unnir. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I get it. I get mm. it. Yeah. But but all the, of course, if you look at it from a from in a book or in a paper when it's written down, you have the structure because it's written down. You can see it. So when people are translating it, they don't. They don't need to care about people orientating inside of this. So it's very seldom that people are, are actually sticking to the structure of this meter when also the, in, in translations and so on. So you, so you get all these poetic translations, which are like supposedly in that meter. But it feels like the working um, with the original meter has like opened up. Ah, this is what it is. It's the building of the... Uh, stuff right and then the breaking of it and then you can play around with it as a musician as well oh nice i i, I didn't even get that <laughs> that there's a build and then a break it's it's almost like yeah a build and a release yeah. perhaps yeah. the perhaps almost like i don't know telling a yeah. joke yeah that there's a build yeah. and a release and there's a cathartic X. uh turn mm. in the meter mm. form amazing mm. yeah and and that's that that is the kind of stuff that you will sense when you're performing it, I guess. Exactly. But you won't necessarily sense it when you're just reading. No. And as an audience, also, it's it's a very strong thing. You, you uh, we we recognize that even if we're not aware of what's happening, it gives us this kind of uh, experience of it. I, I find. And it is the same thing with with this hexameter I was speaking about earlier on. Also, that uh, it also has the break in the end. So uh, an, a common rhythm in the hexameter is tantaka, tantaka, tantaka. But it, in the end, the fifth one is always tantaka, and the last one is always a tan, tan. So you have the break there as well. And they always play around, but not in the fifth and the sixth. That's like sacred. Mm. <laughs> Great. So. So you you started to want it to be just summing up. You started to wanting to be a Viking mm -hmm. rapper. I think at some point in this interview, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you if we should try rapping <laughs> the Volus part, and I'm gonna go. Oh, should we try that now? Let's just if I go. <laughs> With that delay, we, we, we will face some diff some technical difficulties as well. It's, oh, it's going to be, it's, perhaps it's going to be yeah. impossible. <laughs> might be, might be. But it's a fun improvisation game to try to do, it... do that kind of three staff rhymes in your mother tongue and then break it with another. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Old Norse, I'd I, I struggle um, to do that but... in Old Norse. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, improvising. Yeah, that would be that would be a little bit uphill. Um, but 
so you wanted to 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 get into the performance of of this stuff uh and then how did you actually proceed with that because you have actually made like very remarkable performances out of that so can you tell a little bit about how you actually or those sources that you went to for basically performing poetry or performing uh yeah yeah it was a little bit it, it was a little bit problematic this thing that the the whole um, uh, the whole tradition is dead there's no it's a broken tradition so there's no one to no one to imi- imitate or to copy so i'm a folk singer that's how i learn i copy that's how i create that's where where like the fun thing is to see oh, oh i want to do that and go on and doing it um but but there is of course other traditions around the world who are dealing with the same kind of material with long poems and epic stories and so i um i oh i went to different different uh, living epic singing traditions and actually that hap- when i realized that that's what i should do it was a spe- specific, specific moment because i was working along with this uh, bolespor um and and the meters and then it was like oh i wanted i had two it was like the the poem wanted to go two directions and and i wanted like oh i want to give you like a train like being just channeling this having it oh, oh, going on and then you have the break the build and the release and then going on and then another part of me wanted to like oh because it was all these sounds like how strong could you make how how much could you and the melodies in there if i go to the modern norwegian and and swedish how ah uh, and i oh how and that so there was a conflict in this and i couldn't go both directions at the same time so i called a friend and my friend he said yeah you know it sounds like manas and pansori those are living epic singing traditions that has got these kind of different elements and then i thought ah of course i should not just do, just do one thing i should go into different places and 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 um take the impulses that they come from and that was so that was my like fast route since then i can steal and i can copy and and, and flourish in in that way as as I, as I work. So, so where did you, did you actually go to Korea and learn Pansori? I went to YouTube. 
You went to YouTube. Yes. Oh yeah, I, I, I've been doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, what, what is it? What are they doing? What are they? And in some cases, I had the possibility to actually meet singers, and and but mostly it was like there was a because um, uh, I um, I went back to my old school as well uh, to the Royal Academy of Music in Stockholm. So I, I did part of this as a master's project. And then it was uh, important to also be um, to be open and visible in the process so that other people could could do as I had done. So that it was, there was an extra bonus to like choose one video and say, I've looked at this video and now I've taken this material. I've copied her because she's a master what she's doing. And um and she's been studying since she was six inside the tradition every day. So I'm going to like use my start from my professional Swedish folk singer with all the qualities I have. I'll copy her and I use this material and let, let the material of this poem like inform how it will sound, how it will and see what, what's sort of happening in this melting point there so you you create a dialogue between what you're hearing and what is sort of flowing from the poem itself yes and since this also when i was in the school this was an artistic master so um it's it specifically was like um encouraging to to work as good as i could as a as an artist it's it's not uh, um so my my goal is all the time to make a good fun performance for me and for my audience um and therefore i needed to uh, to to have to have that at its core and and not use it as a, like a scientific experiment to see what happened if i put this together it need to be good yeah can can you tell me just so we know it exactly what is hmm? pansori okay so pansori is a korean epic singing tradition and it in one way it's very rich because it's got uh, a lot quite a few sources and it has been uh, it's it has never been broken the tradition there's just five different um, song cycles that are preserved, uh, but uh, but there are many different ways of singing it. And in the Pansori tradition, you're allowed to be everywhere um, on the um, on the spectrum. You can sing all notes, even not just specific notes. You can be in between. You can have oh, no. It sounds a bit like unmelodic opera but folk because you can have all kinds of uh, sounds as well uh, i've heard one person saying you it's good to practice next to a waterfall because then you learn to sing through all the frequencies of the waterfall and you can also copy all the sounds and every every all the sounds that are in there that's a beautiful image also actually um einar selvik uh he uh, talked about uh, waterfalls specifically for musical inspiration. Uh, and uh, he um, 
compared it to traditions of actually going and meeting a waterfall spirit specifically for musical inspiration. So there's a nukkan or something like that, a waterfall spirit, and and you'll actually go in order to to get it. He 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 said the experience of going to a waterfall and staying there and just listening. In the, in, he said, in the beginning, it sounds nice and pretty, and then at some point, it starts getting a little bit annoying, and in the end, you feel you're being pierced with knives all the time because it, it, that um, multi-spectrum of sound is messing with your um, uh, your categories, and then then that actually opens to inspiration. That That was how... I remember that he described it. Yeah, so, in Sweden, yeah. you have to go to three Thursday nights, uh, but then you learn to play the violin or the fiddle from Necken, yeah. Naked Man there. You have to sacrifice yeah. uh, some stuff yeah. often and you have to behave. If not, things can go seriously wrong. Yeah. 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 I, I, I love these traditions of engaging a spirit specifically for the purpose of uh, acquiring uh, musical uh, inspiration or mu- you could all even say musical power it, it's it's such a mojo way of thinking you know i i i go and i acquire the uh, the even the tuning of the violin that you get the tuning and then it, then it'll be perhaps transinducing when you play it and so on I can still a man in Chistrenian slow. So I shall teach you how to tune your your instrument, but not to play the string, because you gave me the, a bone uh, or hadn't enough meat on it. Mm. That's the words yeah. mm. <laughs> awesome awesome cool so pansori obviously is like a super advanced like complex tradition with this huge learning uh, body of knowledge inside it what what do you think that pansori can contribute to when for instance you're doing the 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 volus bar with with this pansori intonation a lot one one is uh, impulses you get impulses to do things but also finally there is somebody to to copy somebody who teach you how to do how to do it um and 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 then also how to do it within this concept so I went to different uh, uh, traditions then, and one other one was the Pandvani tradition from India. You uh, you have more of a of a storytelling, um, the the energy is, is different, and you have a band accompanying you. In the pan, Pansori tradition, in the Korean tradition, you have an accompanying drum who is there as a listener, is listening and, and commenting. So you have somebody there, a sidekick, 
to have a dialogue with. Uh, but the um, uh, and that is the same as in the Indian tradition that I also worked with. This Indian tradition has got different rasas. It's called so different. It's stylized mode, like a, a, a heroic storyteller might impress the audience, and then you can go into another mode, which is which is like a, a more um, uh, say comedic, and then you make your audience laugh, or then you, and then you go to a ra raging rasa, which is oh, which may make you terrified, and so so. Um, so it's a different a different system of how you build things and it's got a different um, mean uh, function the, while the pansori uh, listener um i i said a little bit like an opera you go there and there is something like you really have to work in order to to, uh, you as an audience you go there you put on your best clothes and it, there's something like mm, fine we sit down we listen what is this and there's knowledge behind also the listening you relate to different things and you say oh, no that's moment that's when it comes where it's uh, the pandvani the indian tradition so people are coming in and out in these uh, in in the audience and it, it's rock and roll it's like oh you sit down and you go, oh, as the audience. You, it's still a very performative um, function for it. And then I had a third tradition, like the Kyrgyzstan tradition, the Manas tradition, which where, as a performer, I'm not performing at all. Um, the, the Manas singer, he sings warrior songs and he starts slowly and then he increases the tempo um, slowly, slowly goes faster and faster, and then he reaches this trance-like state. And sometimes he he will move up in pitch as well, and then and then he'll go down again after like quarter of an hour or something. Um, and he does not have anything of entertainment, or he's not. Then the the function of the audience is to just come and be part of that ritual. Like everything is uh, performed into, yeah. The it's almost like the uh, the the rest of the people are not necessary, but they are. But they are not there to be entertained. They're there to just be present in the in the ritual somehow. So so going to these different uh, living traditions also means you can uh, you can go you can uh, put this material into different. Um, Reason, yeah, reasons into functions. What was it? What? Yeah, different. And and you'll get all the clues while while copying on how to make it work. I remember one time I I, I we were going to a festival and it was hard to get the rug there. So I thought, okay, now we'll do without a rug. Now a Pandvani, an Indian Pandvani performer, would never perform on the background is is like you can't do you, you need a you need a rug for the for the gods to to get onto but like i am obviously not being able to do exactly what they are doing because then i would do exactly what they're doing so it's uh, and this time i thought okay so we do without but it didn't work at all my staff slipped and sort of <laughs> 
there's so much you can pick from just doing, actually copying, take the knowledge from what they're doing in their performative style because yeah, it's been created for a long time. Yeah. But uh, with Pandwani, uh, isn't it true that Mikael Urberg, our common common friend, that he actually went to India and studied Pandwani down there? Or do I remember? Yeah, yeah. I think he's been. I think he's been several times, and also the master uh, of that I have been copying, Rita Verma. She's been over uh, both to Sweden and to England, so I've been able to yeah. meet her, and she's been teaching us some stuff and so on. No, it's it's super interesting that you uh, like that. You mentioned how Pansori from Korea and Pandwani from India are so different settings because I, not, when I've seen you do it, it like. It makes a lot of sense. Pansori has this sort of minimalistically yet solemn tone to it, where Pandwani, you feel like it's something that's happening in a marketplace or something like that. And, and there's like, wow, there's this kind of come hear this, hear this kind of feeling to it. It's a very different vibe, really. Yeah. And um, cool. So, so. Do you think that there are some of these forms that fit better with, for instance, the Verlospar than than others? No, it's really it's. I'd say no, very clearly there, because it is. It gives this possibility to go different directions, and with the uh, so with the Pansori, you you can explore ways. You can you can show things in in this meter and this language and this music that you you can't do with a panvani and in the same way with a panvani you can do also with a meter you can play around and and um uh, uh yeah and show possibilities of what what's happening in uh, the interpretation of different things um it's i would not choose if i if i if i had the option to choose i would not choose one no no way yeah do these uh, any of these forms also work with the alliterative w- verse in their original forms Are you aware of that do you know i'm a bit unsure um how it is with that i no, when I when I think through all all the play, things, I've been also meeting um, Runo singer where they where they are playing a lot with uh, rhymes and and with alliteration and so on, um, but where they um, where the, uh, they are also able to improvise uh, in like, much more easily because of how the language is built up it's so um they got the same rhythms in a lot of words so you can take one word out and put in another one uh, more easily than you can do in the scandinavian languages yeah um, you're talking about finnish now right yeah fi- exactly the finnish runo singing um and i so so actually when i when i like tried to make a i tried to say okay shall i make a volusbor in the runo singing version it ended up not ending up with with I didn't do it. I don't say it's not possible to do it. Um, it's just that the things where which I just love with the runo singing, I couldn't do 
with a set text and and they are the the Finnish runo singers when they are singing they are so skillful and and adept i know that the runo singing tradition has been very it's been a bit thin it's like it's, there hasn't been a lot of of um uh, living singers passing things on but then they the the in modern time people have done a great job so it's a really playful tradition as it is somehow and i wasn't able to yeah it also makes me think like when you're talking about like when we think about norse poetry uh, and the capacity for instance to create perhaps create poetry on the spot they're talking a lot about this in the saga, creating uh, these extremely advanced, associatively dense poetry uh, on the spot. Like doing that must be, well, like a life education, like what you're talking about with the Pansori singer who starts when she's six years old to to learn this tradition of, of uh, recitation. Like actually being able to... Um, for instance, apply Norse, Kenning, and Haiti, po you know, circum poetic circumscriptions in your language. Sometimes that must be like as a different level. But um, yeah, and they ha also when you don't have anybody to copy and ha in how to do it. Um, but it's like if you just start now, then I bet in a few hundred years, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um, uh, and again, this the usage of of uh, like a lot of scholars have uh, thought when they were looking at the Homeric epics, the usage of small um, uh, modules, small uh, small parts you, that you can use in different places. So it's more like you you get this jigsaw puzzle repertoire that can be adapted both with words but also with situations you learn how you learn how to how to tell that how the hero get dressed you get a good repertoire of of how a hero gets dressed and then you you can improvise within those that form as well and you have so it's about getting a repertoire of jigsaw puzzle pieces of nice words that can alliterate with each other um, build up your own voca vocabulary in m words and in e words. Or e -a -e. Mm. I think mm. rappers do the same, by the way. That they they if if one thing is of course actual having an actual piece of perhaps hip hop music, but if you have the freer forms of rapping, battle rapping or improvised, I think that the people who are excelling in that they probably have a a huge build-up repertoire of one thing is that they probably tr become better at improvising but i think the tool that they use to get in that direction is actually having a lot of jigsaw puzzles that they can they can throw in the mix um yeah it's quite it's quite uh, interesting how these things look a little bit alike I've, I've I've often wondered about the thing about Vikings. I think. Good. <laughs> but, Go on. Go but on. um. Yeah, yeah. But another thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
if uh, another thing is with the um uh the when you are actually performing uh, the Volus bar you're performing the old Icelandic text have you ever thought about like bringing like finding a a um a good translation in order to make the um the meaning more available for say a Swedish or an Anglophone audience or or isn't there texts that have the same rhythm inside them or yeah I don't know. um I, it's like i've i've thought of uh, i have thought of uh it's 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 a very present it's a very present thing um but then it's about sort of why go um that then it will become something else there's some there's a benefit in people not really understanding more than an Yggdrasil here and the Udin there or uh, and that is that the audience also are tuned into like the sounds the meters the things that have been strong for me when i when i've been creating it and it does um it does put you into a state where your mind can go places um as a, and if you would work uh, so if i would then work with a, a poem like volospor um even if it's translated you need a bit of time if you're not if you don't know it well to start with in order to understand what possibly could be going on it's so dense a poem and it's full of riddles uh and even if i would choose one way of 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 um interpreting this this line here is this about this or is it about that then it's not sure that i would be able to so the benefit with with the very po- poem of Wallace but yet has not been strong enough for me to choose to do it as other people would understand it because the thing is i already know what it's what it, what it's about in old norse so for me there's no point in doing it in swedish and then i have to think so it would it be a po- po- point for the for the people as they listen to it nah but so what i've done is i've rather gone to some of the more story t- storytelling built uh, poems in the her- like the hero poems the heroic poems uh in and in the Völsunga saga and so on and then then i have been able to do translations and even made made new poems about describing this scene and being able to be as as strict following the meter as i as i would like because it's not just uh, there isn't a lot of of translations that are made with with putting the like the sounding qualities of the poems before um being correct like in in the uh, what's actually happening there there will be a lot of of translations which which where they would be um, putting that ha- having it important to have sounding qualities but maybe not having this build, building and the break and also to to 
there's other things inside of this that is going on apart from this the the three and the fourth building and uh, oh. so that is a, a more fun opening and also if if uh, yeah there one can improvise more and the question is if it's really possible to translate so you get the whole feeling of the rhythm of the meter because like if there's probably like there's so many things that are fitting together with such precision in a stanza like that that it's probably very difficult to translate it what you should probably do is you should remake it from scratch if you want it to to uh catch the the, the full uh, density of the uh, of of the meter and the uh... if you want to catch the full density of it you cannot translate it that in a way at all because it's also the it's also the experience of the language itself and so many, and the the stuff rhyming that you say the rhyming in the beginning in in this old norse language it it uh, it has there is no word like beginning. It's like all, all the um, heaviness. What it, the? It's What's it called? When a, a word is uh, yeah. heavier, the stress. Yeah, the of stress the word of the word. Is That's the it. Front. The stress of the word is so much more common to have in the start uh, than in modern Swedish, for instance, or in English, where you also have this French layer. Uh, it's like mixed upon. So the rhythm of the language is also different. And, but like you have been singing or performing this stuff so much, I would say that like, it should be like, one thing is that you cannot get exactly the same feeling as in the old Norse. But if your first language is then Swedish, then it ought to be possible to work, to begin with those tools and then create poetry that 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 then you could do pretty cool things yeah Yeah. Uh, and for both english and for the scandinavian languages uh, you feel the roots of the same you can go to the same roots uh, and use the same words and and um, and there's way of ringing the rhythm in the different uh, modern languages around so it actually it gets very oh, it's got this heaviness in the meter as the old Norse original has so you can you can come a, a long way yes you can uh, and but then you might not you, you need to to take a different route to telling something that feels this is the what this poem is about or this story is about like, mm. I, I've been so fascinated by the fact that there is a Norwegian singing tradition that actually follows the uh, the meter, or seems to follow the meter, not of the Fornio uh, Islak, but of the Jodahatter. Uh, so, uh, and that this gammal stave or stave singing actually fits the Lyodahara. To my to my mind, that's just like whoa, because that's actually stuff that you can go and uh and, and listen to. And you and you can you can find these people and the 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 just the tonality that they're singing in is difficult and it's it's 
it, it sometimes, a little bit like you described with the pensori, it sometimes moves into a place where you're like, are they actually singing in tune there? And they probably totally are, but it's just a slightly different way of conceptualizing tune. Have you ever thought about or worked with um, with uh, any of that stuff in your um, in your work with the era? Well, I've sang Steve. I've gone to Setestal, which is the very region where the Gamla Steve and the New Steve is. And so when I was a kid, I, 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 I got to, to learn how to sing those and actually hear, hearing people quarreling for real over burnt toast uh, in, in this kind of Steve song. It's like really used in practical daily life, an old couple. So... <laughs> You describe, oh, sorry, what is it you're saying that quarreling over burnt like, toast? The lady burnt the toast of of her old husband and he got, he was not happy with that. So he yeah. threw a, uh, an angry steer at her and she replied with something else and got another one back. Uh, uh, that little, uh, so I heard you that over the kitchen table. It was really cool. You heard that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Amazing. But, uh, and I don't know how much of it was a show off, but I was only 10. I don't, I don't, oh, okay. I don't, I don't think they would have done that yeah, to yeah. me when I was just 10. I, I've been thinking afterwards, but I, I, I let that be unsaid. Um, but, but it's a, it's a. Yeah, uh, you know what? Even if that was a bit of yeah. a show off, like just the fact that that cultural competence have existed, you know, I find that, and that people would actually communicate in singing like that. Something like that, a conflictual, uh, conflictual improvised stave. Wow, man. I mean, I remember I lived in, in uh, Angola at, uh, at some point, uh, and there, there are some very uh, musically um, competent people in the uh, interior of Angola called the Luvale, um, and they would be singing as, 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 as a part of social interaction a lot. So we, we, I, I was at a humanitarian program, right? So we, we were visiting a village. And when we arrived at the village, they would be singing their welcome as we, when we came. And they would be singing different songs as we were, were doing different things in the village. And then when we left, they would be singing uh, goodbye, basically. And it was like, you left the place and you're like, whoa, I was just in it social interaction that was also a concert um and uh and that 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 uh stuff from norway it sounds a little bit like that when you can actually play out an angry argument in improvised verse that is um and it's also is is i mean i'm tempted to saying like on our viking rap note there that's some <laughs> viking shit y'all <laughs> like actually uh, actually arguing <laughs> about burnt toast, no less. <laughs> anyway. Great. Yeah. But it's some good music one can go and listen to straight off and also learn to, to sing these Gamle Stev and the, and the new Stev from Zeta Star. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've been trying to learn a little bit, but I've, I'm, but just, just for, just yeah. from listening. Go on, go on. Ah, no, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make myself, I'm not gonna make a laughing stock out of myself. Not now. <laughs> but, uh, but I can, I can, I can do it, I can do it. <laughs> cool. But, um, yes, I think that was, uh, 
very nice to just uh, have you share some of your knowledge and this amazing, amazing uh, journey that you've had with with trying to basically uh, approaching the ancient poetry through uh, uh, through these different brands of singing. So thank you so much well, thank for, you, uh, for joining. Great here. meeting you.